What's up, everybody? It's your girls, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay from Hi. The Tipsy Ghost. Hey, friends. Welcome back. Hi. It's How have you been? Just great. Except really? our ghost hunting expedition today got canceled. I know. Mm. I'm so mm. bummed. So we were supposed to go. I'm not even going to say because we're still going to go there. We're still going to go to this place where we're, it's going to be confidential. Yes. Oh, okay. We're going there and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I want to say it. (laughs) Don't say it. Okay, I won't. We're going there in August now? August 1st. Yes. So it got canceled because of all of this craziness going on with uh, quarantine and social distancing and no groups of more than, you know, 50. 10. Now it's 10. 10. Now Now it's 10. Soon it's going to be one. Yeah. We're going on (laughs) lockdown on Tuesday uh, in Kansas City. So... So here we are. We're socially distancing from Lindsay. <laughs> coughed into my elbow, guys. Coughed into my Hell elbow. Yeah. So Mike said it was the whole the state elbow. of Missouri on Monday. I think so. Screw the counties. It's the whole state of Missouri. Really? Yeah. It's going on lockdown on Monday. Wow. I wonder why Kansas isn't yet. What do we know? Well, Which I it was like always follows suit. Well, but you're still in the. I work on the Missouri side. Also, you might live in a county that is potentially affected. Well, yeah. My county is, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. So, stop serving pancakes. We is are. What I'm trying to say. Yes. <laughs> you left your syrup at home, girl. <laughs> so, we are trying to get some podcast episodes out. Um, so, this one's kind of like an improv one because we were not going like yeah. we thought we were going to be going somewhere. Super yeah. bummed, but um, it is what it is. When we're making the best of it, I yeah. feel like. Mexican and alcohol. Booze and yes. tacos. Mexican <laughs> food, some alcohol, and podcasting. What could yeah. be better? Lindsay is super proud of her shirt. What did your shirt say today? It says, it's from Game of Thrones. If there's any Game of Thrones fans out there, it Me. says, I drink and I know things. Because I tonight I am drinking and I do know things tonight. I I bet I would love it if I watched Game of Thrones. You know what? Now is a great time because there's nothing else to do. I resisted for many years. I did too. I feel like because I was like, I don't, I don't want to like this. No, yeah. my husband suggested it, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna like it. Turns out I loved it, and I yeah. binged it in like three months. So yeah. good luck. We did the same. We binged it all in like three or four months, and we started binging it. Like we did the first two seasons while. It was still airing, and then we stopped for a while because we got, I don't know, stuff came in our lives. And then we started binging it again when the last season was airing because everybody was talking about it again. So we picked back up and finished shortly after it finished. How many seasons are there? Eight. Eight. Oh, God. That's but, a lot of seasons. No, but there's it, only, It like, is, actually, a lot of seasons. I'm not going to lie. It is. But it is so good. Okay, trust me. We are fellow office lovers. Yes. yes. I love The Office. I would not lead you astray. It's very good. Very good storytelling. This is like the office. This is not like the office. It's at all. not a comedy <laughs> like the are you office. Gonna bring that up then. It's just trust my choice in TV shows. Yes, I all mm, consider it. It's a good it's one to really binge. Really good. What else are you going to be doing in your house? I'm not going to be in my house. I'm going to be at work. Okay, but when you're okay, not well, at you're work, not you work have to be at seven home. Seven days a week. Come on. I work six days a week this week. So, all right. Well, on that one day off. You're going to binge Game of Thrones. <laughs> and then talk to us about it. I'll, I'll I can't consider. wait to hear about it. I, I know I resisted for a long time, too. I also, too. can we talk about this cat that loves me? Uh, it's just me. Don't try to take my specialness away. I'm doing like the he Tina Belcher. Uh, he loves <laughs> he me so much. Bob's Burgers? 
Um, listen, if Lindsay was sitting in that chair, he would probably be there. But yeah, he loves you. God damn it. Listen, <laughs> I am special. Did he give in you his a kiss? eyes? Oh, yes. You don't. Uh, he smooched me on my lips, I think. Special He's a kisser. On one of our episodes. Oh, yeah. he's so he can kiss my lips, but now he's just reaching out to me because he's like, "Hello, hands." <laughs> Is it touching you? Looking for oh, you guys are on two different songs right now. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, reaching out. We are not touching hands or reaching out right now. We are I practicing can, can social distancing. Have you seen that thing of, uh, that meme? Yes. From the C- <laughs> CC. No, well, we don't recommend that. CDC. Oh, okay. The C- CDCC. The, oh, okay. That that's, that's a new group. <laughs> Instead the of the ACDC. Have you heard of them? They're great. CCDC. <laughs> Their hit song is called Wash Your Hands, Fools. <laughs> wow, we think we're funny. <laughs> Bitch, use our hand sanitizer. <laughs> Don't I got that Rona. Rona. <laughs> Rona. Rona. <laughs> Listen, I you got guys, that COVID. In case anybody thinks we're making light of this <laughs> pandemic, you gotta have humor. Otherwise, we're just gonna cry. That's how we cope. And you gotta have humor to cope with this stuff. Sorry, sorry, sorry. About yeah, the gosh. Laugh. Who oh. are we keeping social distance from now? I honestly don't know. I'm already six feet apart from you guys. And I'm only, like, snuggling up to this cat. But I think cats are immune, so we're cool. I think animals are immune. Didn't they say that? I don't know. I feel like it came from Except an animal, bats. but... <laughs> Except what? Except the bats. Bats got it. You keep like rubbing your foot against my leg. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm complaining. Just to stretch my feet, my knees out. I'm not complaining, but after the third time, I was like, "What is that?" I thought it was chair. <laughs> all right, all right. So sorry. Are we turning into red zone over there? Yeah, Lindsay's at the red. <laughs> I'm sorry. The red zone means I'm laughing too loud into the microphone. <laughs> okay, so this week, guys, we did some paranormal stuff. Just we picked a place or a person that we liked and we're reporting on it. Since we couldn't hunt the ghosts, we brought the ghosts to us. Yes. To and them. as per usual, we don't know what the other two did. Mm-hmm, so... Mm-hmm. We are, I'm going to go last, and who's going first? Me, me, Boyce me. is going first, then Sarah, then me. Ready. So, have you guys heard of, and I know you have, Dear David? <gasps> yes, I love it. No, I have not. <laughs> really? Really? It's like a Reddit thing. Or Twitter. It's, it started it's on Twitter. The Twitters. But then Reddit reported on it. That's how I heard of it. Okay. I am old and decrepit, so... <laughs> No, I mean, like, this is a story that's been done by other Ah, places. All right. All right, girl, buckle up. I'm ready. I'm excited. Okay, dear David. So this is basically a whole Twitter feed. It's like a whole story. Okay. um, Via Twitter. The Twitter? Via the Twitters. Got it. The twits and the tweets. Tweet, tweet. By a guy named Adam (laughs) Ellis. He's a writer, author, um, and he goes by... At, you ready for this? I'm ready. At Moby Dickhead. Yes, he did. He He, went there. He did. I I love it. I'm here for it. That's kind of funny. (laughs) That's very clever. So, Moby Dickhead. What does Adam Ellis have to say? Ellis began his story with a thread dated August 7th, and in it he describes a weird dream he had several months prior about a child with a misshapen head appearing 
seated on a green rocking chair he kept in his bedroom. Like a conehead? Um, it's like a kid. It kind of looks like, you know, um, Tommy from the Rugrats? Uh-huh. You know how he has those dents in his head? Uh, okay. Yeah, Only, yeah, like, yeah. one of them's maybe, like, a whole chunk of his head's taken out. Ugh. Oh, okay. That's not Tom- at all wait, what I was Tommy picturing. Tommy had dents in his head? I know. Are I'm trying to remember. <laughs> you never thought that? Um. <laughs> <laughs> what? And you showed her a picture of what David looks like. David is missing half of his head. <laughs> okay. More than just a dent. <laughs> I said a, be- a big chunk. I was referring him to Tommy. Tommy Pickles. Tommy is a huge asset. It doesn't matter. This kid is <laughs> he had dents legit in his head, missing Will you pull up Tommy head. Pickles? Yes, I will. Hold on. I want to be right about this. Tommy had dents in his head. Did he? Did Tommy have dents in his head? That's I what mean... you need to Google. Ask Jeeves. Do you remember that? Ask oh, yeah, Jeeves. Before Google. What dents in his head are you seeing here? Do you see? I I do see a big weird egg head situation. You see how the top of his head, it's like a dome sitting on top of not dome, like a flat. (laughs) So descriptive. This makes me miss the show. So, All right, so I t- guess, okay, Tommy's Tommy got dents. All right. So, dear David, he's got a weird misshapen head. He's sitting in a rocking chair. So, okay. Adam says, the first time I saw him, I was experiencing sleep paralysis, and the child I saw was sitting in a green rocking chair at the foot of my bed. He had a huge misshapen head that was dented on one side, <laughs> and he did his best to draw it, and that's what Lindsay just showed you. Okay. <laughs> so, in his dream, the child had gotten out of the armchair and begun shambling. In quotes, because I don't know what that means. Maybe like crawling creepily (laughs) (laughs) towards him. And he just sat in bed feeling paralyzed. He awoke before the child reached him. A few nights after his initial dream, Ellis had a second dream in which a little girl told him who he was dealing with. And that's Dear David. Uh -uh. Dun, dun, dun. She told Ellis that David is dead. Additionally, she explained that the rules of interacting with David are he only appears at midnight, and if you see him, you can ask him two questions as long as you say the words, Dear David, first. However, you are never, ever to ask him three questions. He'll kill you if you do. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. So, in a different dream, Ellis tried asking David some questions. In the dream, I say, Dear David... How did you die? He mumbles, an accident in a store. I say, dear David, what happened in the store? He groans, a shelf was pushed on my head. I'm frozen with fear, Ellis says. I ask, who pushed the shelf? (gasps) That's number three. David doesn't answer. I realize... He also didn't say dear David. Yeah, he says, I realize I've asked the third question, which I'm not supposed to. And at that point, I wake up absolutely terrified. So he made the mistake. He asked three questions. He didn't stop at the two. Still, he attempted to get at the bottom of the whole thing the next day, Googling around for kids named David or Daniel or Dylan or Devin, just to be thorough, <clears throat> who may have, may have died in stores in New York after being crushed by a falling shelf, and nothing turned up. Not too long after that, the apartment above his vacated, so Ellis moved upstairs. He stopped thinking about David during this time, and he wrote that he suspected David may have lost track of him because he moved. But then we get to... 
The past four nights, my cats gather at the front door at exactly midnight and just stare at it, almost like something is on the other side. Okay. Lindsay's showing a picture of the cats. I'm showing oh, her I pictures. Was like, I was like picturing like a clear storm door, but no, they're like staring underneath a crack of a door. Yes. yes. Okay. So, additionally, when Ellis was looking through the peephole, he said he was positive he saw something move on the other side. And that's where I am right now, he concluded. Dear David found me, I think. I don't know what to do. I'll keep you updated. So, he says, when I opened the door and turned on the hall, light hall, the hall light. (laughs) That is what it is. The light hall. (laughs) The light hall. (laughs) He says nothing was there, but my cat seemed unnerved bushy tails etc and that's where i am right now dear david found me i don't know what to do uh update for the sixth night in a row my cat has walked over to the door and promptly at midnight and stared at it and she's showing her the picture and then he's got a picture or he's got the clock in his hand with the time on it i see this late on the evening uh of august 8th for so it's technically early morning august 9th Ellis continues the story in another reply to the original thread. One cat in particular, Maxwell, seemed to be especially concerned with something outside the door. So it says Ellis was curious but still frightened, so he took a photograph of the hallway outside his door through the peephole. He had trouble seeing anything in it, though, so he bucked up his courage and opened the door and took a second photograph of the hallway with nothing obstructing the camera lens. When he compared the two photos, he became convinced that there was something lurking in the first one, the one he took through the peephole. So he took a second peephole photograph just to be sure. So just where the banister of the stairs meets. It says, I wasn't sure if it was a smudge or something, so I took a second photo from inside. There was something out there. Unsure of what else to do, he deadbolted his door and climbed into bed. I'm pretty scared, he wrote. And then there's a picture of his cat with glowing eyes, and it's terrifying. Oh, neat. Um, in the replies to his thread, Ellis also revealed that the building used to be an old yes. house and it had been cur- converted into apartments some time ago. He used to live on the bottom level of this old house. So it's basically a duplex. One apartment is the bottom and the other is the top. Got it. August 10th through 11th, he says, it's been pretty quiet tonight. I'm going to try out a sleep talk app to see if anything happens during the night. I'm heading to bed, but the cats are back at the door. They only do this in the middle of the night. It's routine now. Several nights pass with the cats continuing to gather at the door around midnight. He noted that he was intending to get a sleep app to see if he could record anything happening while he was asleep. Additionally, he attempted to draw a line of protection in front of the door with salt because some Twitter users suggested it, um, but he just used like regular table salt. Apparently, you're supposed to use some kind of special salt i don't know that's what they use on supernatural salt? table salt no on supernatural they like salt? draw salt in like a circle and like demonic forces can't get inside the salt they do they use table salt, salt though i don't know yeah we need to know what kind of we need this for future reference sorry i don't know if you know this but supernatural is like made up it's hollywood Oh, <laughs> okay. That's not what this podcast it's is about. It's based off sorry. of real things. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, <laughs> things didn't really start to pick up until the next morning, though. So he says, I used a sound app to record my apartment last night. It makes individual recordings each time it hears something. There were 33 recordings. Dang. 
Ellis shared the results of his sleep app experiment. Although most of the recordings weren't of interest, there were three he thought might be worth listening to a little more closely. So one was a snapping sound and what seems like a single step. So he says that's odd because he didn't get out of bed all night. Uh, one he says is a strange electrical sound. And then the other is an electrical static and then a snap and then he groans in his sleep and then these all happen between 2 and 3 a.m and he has no explanation for them he says he's going to keep recording and share if he finds out anything else after that he posts a selfie saying he's going to get the f out of his haunted apartment for the weekend and then some twitter followers say that he they see a face in the background where in his door Maybe in that pain? I haven't been able... I don't see it, but... It's hard to see from here. It used to have, like, an enlarged one, um, but that tweet has been deleted. Weird. So next, he gets a Polaroid camera and decides to take a few, few pictures around his apartment. He took a couple of the living room and the bedroom um, and the rocking chair that he first saw David in, and they're unremarkable. Then he went into the hallway and snapped a photo, and remember the hallway is where he saw that weird black mist, and he said the Polaroid developed completely black. Oh, neat. Sarah. What? Oh, sure did. Sorry, I was making out the cat. (laughs) She's having a moment with the cat, and it's all very weird. (laughs) He said, I thought maybe I accidentally covered the lens with my finger, so I took a photo while intentionally covering it. So the photo on the left is him (laughs) covering the lens with his finger, and the one on the right is him in the Um, fully lit hallway taken just after midnight. Different. Completely black. He says he's going to go to bed and he's going to record himself sleeping again tonight um, and he's got sage being delivered tomorrow. He needs to sage that apartment. Like, there's no tomorrow. Stat. For sure. Also, David needs to get the F out. (laughs) Dear David. Dear David, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Could you, though? (laughs) I've had enough of your shenanigans. Then one picture was kind of the creepiest. Ellis stood inside his apartment and took a photograph of the hallway through the door at a distance. One with his phone and then one with his Polaroid. And the hall light is on both times. But the one with his Polaroid, the hallway comes out pitch black. So there's his phone. Okay. What? Hey, hey. (laughs) Don't whip me with your tail. Oh, here he comes, Lizzie. No, cat. He's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Too late. It's coming. (laughs) Cat, listen. It's not you. It's me. It's true. I don't like cats. Please don't touch me. But he wants to. (laughs) He's very nice. Ah, Is he (laughs) declawed? Listen. Do you see how nice he was being? He He stepped on you. He touched my foot with his paw. (laughs) He is the nicest cat. And everything went bad. I'm sorry. I'm very... I'm sure he's nice. I'm sure he's nice. I'm just very skittish around cats. I'm sorry. I'm telling you, there's nothing to be afraid of with him. I told him it's not him. It's me. It's totally me. I know that. I'm just telling you, you don't need to be afraid. It's okay. I'm afraid. Okay. Sorry. Continue with your story. (laughs) Somebody on Twitter told him that the Polaroid of the black doorway looked like there might be a figure looming in there. Um, And so they enhanced it. You can definitely see kind of a shadow figure in there. Really? 
Throughout the entire saga, followers had begun suggesting that Ellis get some sage and smudge his apartment to cleanse it of any bad energy or spirits. So he did on August 14th, and he said he wasn't convinced that it was going to accomplish much. Saged it out. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't blame him. The next day, he said that the sage didn't work. He said David returned to his dreams that night. Oh. David's pissed. He said, I haven't dreamed about David in a few months, but he appeared again last night. In the dream, my bedroom was filled with a hazy smoke, but I could see David sitting in the chair across the room. He was smaller this time, almost shrunken. He didn't do or say anything except look at me. Anyway, it feels like a bad omen. I would say he's right. Definitely. Late at night... Ellis tweeted a short update. Max was continuing to hover around the front door at midnight every night. At around 3 a.m. every night, his sleep tracker recorded about five minutes of static, and that morning he had woken up to what he felt like a small earthquake. He remarked that it felt like there was a storm coming. He said, it's just a whole bunch of small things happening at once. I feel so uneasy, like right before a thunderstorm comes. Everyone is telling me to move, but I don't have any guarantee that this won't follow me. And the next day, that is later that morning, a storm was literally coming. Ellis began the next thread on August 21st, a Monday night. In it, he described falling asleep unexpectedly early on Friday night, the night the storm was supposed to hit which ended up not being as bad as it was supposed to be, and dreaming of David again. He was pulling him by the arm through some sort of warehouse. He said, I had a dream that night where David was dragging me by the arm through an old abandoned warehouse. I'm not sure why I didn't fight back in the dream or how he was strong enough to pull me, but that's dream logic for you. It was cre- it was a creepy dream, but I didn't think much of it when I woke up. I took a shower, and then I noticed something. I had woken up with a huge bruise on my arm. His wrist. Okay. He admitted that the bruise could have had some perfectly reasonable explanation. Maybe he injured himself during the day and didn't notice it until the next morning, but the coincidence was still odd. An odder yet, though, was when he left his apartment to go get breakfast the next morning, something he does every Saturday. He passed by a food cart repair depot that's right by his apartment, or at least it used to be. Ellis noted that he's lived in that apartment building for four years, and in all that time he'd never seen the depot anything less than bustling. But that day it was silent. Um, he said, I've lived in the, the neighborhood for over four years and the place has always been jam-packed with carts getting serviced. But today it was completely abandoned. The whole warehouse was totally gutted and empty. When he took a quick peek inside, he found it almost completely empty. The depot had been completely cleared out. All that was there was a chair and a green one at that. Um, so remember the rocking chair David had first shown up on? So that was green too. So that's a little curious. On his way back from the coffee shop, Ellis saw that the warehouse had been shut up tight. Basically, the only thing in the warehouse was a single green chair. On my way back from coffee, the warehouse had been shuttered, and it remained in silence. The coincidence creeped him out, but he wasn't sure what to do with it all. Um, At the end of the week, Ellis tweeted that some small things had been happening in his apartment, but they were not actually that small. The cats had changed up their routine. Instead of gathering at midnight, they started doing it a few hours earlier. He said he'd been getting phone calls from a masked number shortly after the cats did their thing. And then he posts the no caller ID for um, evidence. He thought at first maybe it was a robocall, but then he picked up one of the calls. And this is what happened when he did. He said, usually if it's an automated thing, if you answer once, they quit calling. So I picked it up. 
I didn't say anything. I just listened, waiting for some automated message to, chi to chime in. After about a minute, the static stopped and there was silence. I kept listening. I heard what I thought was breathing, but it was so faint I can't be sure. My heart was racing, so it was hard to hear. Then, just as I was about to hang up, I heard a very small voice whisper, Hello? Nope. Nope. Oh, nope. Nope. Pass. <laughs> Something about the way they said hello freaked me out. Anybody saying hello after how many seconds of static and then hello. heavy breathing just... <sighs> it's me. Right. <laughs> now, if somebody answered that to me, I, I would yeah, <laughs> start singing back. Sorry. I wheeze left. <laughs> so he says he panicked and hung up. He didn't know what else to do. He closed all the curtains in the apartment and turned on every single light. Um, after that, he watched TV for the rest of the night, and he was too scared to sleep. He also vowed to keep writing everything that was happening down. He said it felt like the only thing he could do. The next week, he bought a pet monitoring camera so he can keep an eye on the cats while he went overseas. It's just kind of like a nanny cam, so the Wi-Fi lets you check in 24-7. The evening of August 28th, he tweeted a couple of things. He said that he'd moved the rocking chair out of his room a few weeks prior. He said he was going to Japan on vacation in three weeks, and he hoped that maybe David would lose track of him while he was gone. After all, that was what had seemed to happen after a time he had moved to the upstairs apartment. But he also wrote with a bigger update in preparation for his trip, he'd gotten a pet cam so that he could keep an eye on his cats while he was away. The pet cam activates whenever it de detects mo motion. Then it pings you on your phone to let you know what it saw. He tested it out during a brief weekend trip, and some of the footage was pretty disturbing. Are you ready for this, Sarah? I'm ready. Watch the chair. Uh, why did my screen just go black? What? Well, that's creepy. Nothing moved, but my laptop just completely shut off when I hit play. And the screen went black. It's David. It's happening. So we'll watch it in a second. <laughs> At about the six second mark, the green rocking chair, the one on which David had first appeared, which Ellis moved out of his bedroom, began rocking on its own. Then about a half an hour later, he got another alert. And this time, at the 12-second mark, a turtle shell that he had hanging on his wall hit the uh, hit the floor. Uh, uh, uh. He said that he doesn't keep the windows open during the summer. He didn't know what to make of it. Also, some of the follower followers started tweeting that it looked like the blue chair in the background of one of the videos vanished and then reappeared at one point. But the chair, the blue chair one, turned out just to be a trick of the light. Because if you brighten up the picture, it looks like it's vanished, but you can still see it. So on September 5th, Alice began a new thread with a simple phrase that said, it's happening again. Hmm. He went on to talk more about the pet cam. He had been leaving it on 24-7 and periodically reviewing the footage to see if it caught anything unusual. And it recorded on Saturday the previous weekend. Definitely showed some strange things. First, it caught Maxwell the cat getting spooked by something. All right, let's see if this happens. Huh? I'm looking at the green chair. Mm -hmm. It's rocking. That creepy. It rocks. And then the cat freaking out video. Mm, something ain't right. And Ellis is a lot that's not right here. Ellis. I'm finding. Hold on. He oh says, God. During the night on Saturday while I slept, it recorded the cats in the living room. It seemingly seemed pretty unremarkable at first, but then after a few moments, Maxwell freaks out, freaks out and jumps over something invisible. Oh, yeah, and he looks at it. Mm. So the next one's creepy. It says, then it recorded Maxwell standing straight up on his hind legs over and over again. So he's basically meerkatting. I know exactly what you're talking about. Constantly. Meerkatting. <laughs> I like that. Meerkatting. 
Hello? Anybody there? Where you at, Maxwell? He's on the couch. Meerkat. Yeah, what is he? What is he doing? That's beyond meerkatting. He is. He's having a full-on battle. And then it recorded footage in which, honestly, it looked like Maxwell's batting at something the humans can't see. That's exactly what's happening. He's battling. Ellis wrote that he didn't think that Maxwell was batting at a bug. First off, he doesn't tend to do that with bugs. He just eats them, he wrote. And the second off, he noted that he'd rarely seen bugs make their way into his apartment. Um, something spooked him, he said. The kicker, though, was actually back in the first video, and Ellis's Twitter followers spotted it pretty quickly about the 18-second mark. A green glass jar sitting on the coffee table moved of its own accord. So it just keeps catching things like that. On September 11th, the pet cam caught a small knitted cactus falling from the same shelf where the turtle shell was hung. September 16th, the nightmares return to the warehouse. Um, he says, on the pillow next to me was a severed head with a bloody spine attached, snaking yeah. down to the bed. The head was staring right at me, somehow still alive. It had this huge smile plastered on its face. Horrified, I screamed, what happened to you? The head smiled even bigger. It feels great, the head groaned. Oh God! I don't. I don't think so. Right. Uh-uh. He says he's been seeing dark figures in his windows, even though he lives on the second floor. After he had had several dreams, he went for a walk nearby to clear his head, and that take took him past the warehouse. Um, there is something weird that happened there on the way home. When he passed the warehouse for a second time, he says, I heard a dull thunk from the other side of the shutters. He says, I froze in place, but there was no other sound after that. I probably should have just continued on, but curiosity got the better of me. He saw a window, so he opted to very quickly snap a photo and GTFO. Didn't stop to look at the photo until he got home. When he did, this is what he saw. It's a snake thingy. It seems to be a different part of the warehouse, maybe an office. There was a bunch of old insulation and what looked like a filing cabinet and a ripped up leather desk and chair. What am I looking at? But he's convinced that he sees David. Oh, like that motion? Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be him? Okay. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Okay. I'll be honest, I don't see David in that picture, but I I think that's kind of his mind is starting. He's sleep deprived, his mind is starting to play some tricks on him. Right. He's seeing what he wants to see. September 22nd to October 5th, it's Adam in Japan. He said, the past few days have been fairly quiet. haven't been spending much time at home. I leave for Japan in a couple hours. I've been trying to avoid anything weird before my trip. I still feel like all this might stop if I just leave for a couple weeks. Whatever happens, I want to thank everyone for their kind thoughts and concerns. This whole ordeal has been stressful and it means a lot. Makes me feel like I'm not going through this alone. See you in a couple weeks. Not much happened over the next few weeks after Alice left for his trip. He mostly stayed off Twitter. He did post uh, this cute and somewhat tongue-in-cheek photo from a shrine he visited while he was away. And it's just this picture of something that says, Please protect my cats while I'm away from home. That's sweet. Um, But on his last day in the country, he stumbled across something unnerving. It looks just like a statue, but when he looked closer at one portion of it, he says, I was taking pictures of it from different angles since it's cylindrical. I moved around to one side and almost dropped my phone at what I saw. It felt too similar to be a coincidence. I felt dizzy staring up at this kid with the dented head. I see it. Kid with the dented head. Oh, there he is. Looks like he comes back and weird thing and he says weird things have been happening with the electricity in my apartment this week. First two bulbs have burned out in the hallway in less than a week. At this point I've just left it alone rather than getting a ladder again. Apparently there was an LED black backlight strip 
plugged into his TV turning off and on, said he noticed it just sometime before dawn when he woke up and went to the kitchen to get some water. He'd barely gotten back into bed when he saw the faint light come on in the living room. After a few seconds, it went dark again. Ellis couldn't get back to sleep, so he went on a 24 hour, to a 24-hour diner near his apartment, had some eggs, and then went home to shower and get ready for the day before heading into work. He completed his morning... And he said he started hearing some weird scratching noises outside his front door. After everything that had happened so far, he couldn't actually look through the peephole. So he just held his phone up to it and snapped a picture. Which, I'll say, I don't see anything in this picture. Yeah, he thinks he said he sees part of a face, an ear, an eye staring back at him. I don't see anything. Nobody really sees anything. Ellis is losing it. I think he's starting to. Instead, he has a friend come over to cleanse the place, and for about a week or so, it seems like it works. Uh, Things appear to go back to normal. The cats weren't gathering at the door, and he stopped having dreams. After the update, things got weird again, so he started going by the warehouse, and he saw a hearse parked in the warehouse near the back wall. So, probably pretty terrifying. Creepy, and random then ellis started having dreams again in the dream he says he saw david in a chair again which he doesn't have the green chair in his room anymore this time it was a recliner he had had for years he was staring right at him just like the first time again he felt paralyzed and could barely move but this time something was different he says it's better to just show you so essentially while he was dreaming or sleep having sleep paralysis he was a trying david was trying to approach him and um ellis was still able to move his hands a little and so he (laughs) snapped a picture sarah's just not seeing the picture of david yes uh this is a creepy ass picture i know is that real so we're looking at a picture of is it real it looks like a picture or something of this kid with a misshapen head sure does it sure does (laughs) And then people started brightening him up, and it's just a terrifying. Interesting. Yeah. So, then everybody reacted kind of like you did. What? (laughs) Is it real? They, everyone was playing along up until then, and they were, they got a little more suspicious. Because there's just no way. I mean, if you see those pictures. Yeah, it's. I mean. That's. I have lots of suspicions, but those pictures, I'm just like. They look photoshopped. Right. For sure. Ellis finally responded to everybody just by saying, for everyone asking, yes, I'm alive. I've been <laughs> on the quiet side because there's something I'm trying to investigate and I'm not sure how to yet. I'd rather not tweet unless I have something substantial to share. So he said he'd previously established that his apartment building was actually a house and then converted into something like a duplex. And then he moved up to the second floor. He essentially said he had been hearing some loud thudding noises coming from his above apartment, which he noted no way to access the roof. So he thought it was the pipes or something falling on the floor. But he thought since it was an old building, it was just building noises. But he said it was a new sound and it startled him. And so he went out to the hallway to investigate and he found what looks like kind of a crawl space. And he says he looks all over his apartment but can't figure it out. So he goes in the hallway And that's when something dawns on me. There's no real way to ease into this, so I'll just say it. There's a mysterious hatch in my hallway. I've always known about it, but I just assumed it opened directly onto the roof. Lindsay's showing Sarah the creepy hatch. Yep, got it. Creepy hatch video. 
It's just a video so you can see like how high up it is. Oh, okay. It's really high up above the stairs, so he Got can't it. access it without like a ladder. There's a difference in crawl space, so there's he draws a little picture. See it. What? Is this not it? There's that. That one. So this hatch is just this little section of the roof and then it maybe goes up three feet and then the actual roof is there and he wants to know what's actually in it because he keeps hearing thumping sounds. He says the noises from the ceiling haven't let up, but the pole I ordered didn't arrive before I had to leave for holidays, so I didn't actually get it until late Friday night. He's going to investigate the next morning. Then he said, I'd barely fallen asleep when I woke up to an incredibly loud crash above me. It sounded like someone had dropped a bowling ball, bolted upright in bed, and immediately felt strange. There was a weird energy all around me and he can't explain it. After about a minute, I heard a another crash i briefly thought about getting my shoes and booking it but that would mean passing under the hatch nope and that would seem like a bad idea so instead i just listened and waited though i'm not sure for what the crash happened again and then again probably 15 times in a row followed by a long silence then i heard a smaller creaky sound from the hallway in my mind it registered as a footstep but it really could have been in it anything i stayed still but there were no more sounds after that i laid back down still tense and nervous but i must have fallen asleep at some point because i woke up the next morning and everything seemed normal again i got dressed and left to go get a bagel same as every sunday saturday at that point bagels were the last thing on my mind i went back upstairs and grabbed the pole i set my camera on the coat wardrobe at the top of the stairs and hit record just to make sure it would be caught on video if a demon burst out of the hatch here's the video okay Got it. So you can see something poking out so it says, I went upstairs to get my phone and collapsed the pole since it's so long and unwieldy, then went back downstairs to investigate the object that fell. At first, I wasn't even sure what it was. It was a dingy faded black. I picked it up and realized what it was. It was a small leather shoe. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Sure. A few hours later, my landlord was on a ladder shining a flashlight into the crawl space. I stared up at him half expecting something to grab him and yank him into the darkness. He angled it, angled his flashlight all around and finally saying, there's nothing up here. But then I was like, oh wait, I watched as he reached up into the emptiness with his free arm. When he pulled it back, he had something small and round in his hand. He climbed down the ladder and handed it to me. The thing he handed Ellis turns out to be an antique green marble. Again, I wasn't quite sure what I was looking at. It was smooth and shiny, and at first I thought it was an old piece of candy, but it was cold and too heavy to be candy. After a second, I realized it was a marble. It was so worn that I hadn't registered it as a marble at first. It was Its shape was also sort of weird with a little bump on one end. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Like David's head. Like a dented head. Then Ellis took kind of a hiatus from the twitters and finally came back saying sorry for the long break i haven't been feeling great the past couple weeks and haven't had time to update there also wasn't much to say for the most part i wasn't sleeping well and was having weird dreams but they were vague and hard to describe i'm sleepy all day long and i've been getting sudden bouts of dizziness he didn't post another update for two weeks just because he said he didn't have much to report. He said he wasn't sleeping well. He wrote that he woke up with a start and felt something strange, like something had just been watching him, but there was no one there. And when he turned on the light, he said he had the tangible feeling of badness that he just associated with David. 
Um, after a couple of nights of this, waking suddenly and feeling like he was being watched, he downloaded an app on his phone to make it take photos automatically every 60 seconds and set it up on his bookcase. He left uh, both it and a light on while he slept. In, in the morning, he claimed he found something really disturbing on his camera roll. Most of the pictures were just him sleeping in an empty room, but right towards the end, the phone snapped the following images. So most of them were him sleeping. Oh, there he is. And then you see this little child. Yep, there's a child. Right in the middle of the photo. He says, then suddenly he was there, standing on the chair at the foot of the bed, staring at me. In the next photo, from a minute later, he seems to be staring up at the ceiling, just staring. Okay. Then okay. he appears. Everything's fine. <laughs> right. fine. Then he appears to collapse on the chair. The next dozen photos are all the same. He's completely lifeless. At first, I thought he was dead, which obviously doesn't make any sense. I looked over at the chair, expecting him to still be there, but it was empty. Huh. But then in the next photo he's gone the room is totally empty again he's gone in the next several photos too he figured maybe that was it but he keeps swiping through the photos and about 15 photos later he was back standing next to the bed just like the last time he saw him and then that's when he says his heart started to race he says he doesn't want to look at the rest of the photos but he knew he had to he swiped to the next photo and his heart sank into his stomach. He was on the bed, inches from him, staring down at him sleeping. This is where I'm like, okay. Really? This is very convenient. I want to see that. The next one was worse. In the next photo, he's staring right at the camera. Oh, of course he is. Jeez. <laughs> hey. Hey. You want to see the dent in my head? After that, seemingly <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it's me, Dented David. Oh! <laughs> After that, there's seemingly nothing. He disappears again, and the rest of the scroll is just me left alone in my room again until the last photo. And here's the last photo on the scroll. I'm ready to see it. Huh. Movement. Like head. Like you can see, like that's the ear. That's an ear? That's like ear and hair. Like he's right up at the camera. Oh, okay. I see it now. I thought it was like somebody moving in front of it. Okay, I see you now. And then Ellis left this note. I'm at a loss for words. That malformed ear, that stringy hair. I didn't even know what to think. I, I looked all over my room, but I couldn't find anything. And honestly, I've been so exhausted, I didn't know how to process it. Even now, all I want to do is just go to sleep. And then he left town for the holidays on December 20th. And he said, hey, everyone, I'll be gone for the next week, visiting family back home in Montana for the holidays. It'll be nice to get away from this for a bit. Thanks, everyone, for the kind words lately. I'll see you when I get back. And then his next update suggests things were not as relaxing as they had hoped he'd, they would be. So he said, I even started browsing listings for new apartments back in New York. The last thing I want to do is move in the middle of winter. But after the past few months, it seems like it might be worth it. I felt like there might be a way out. But after a few days, I started to feel strange again. One night, I got up to go to the bathroom, and as I stood there in the dark, I couldn't help but feel like there was something moving outside the bathroom window. Basically, David follows Ellis home to Montana, and they see little footprints out uh, outside the window of the bathroom and out into the um, oh. the field. In the snow. And then they just, like, mysteriously just stop in the middle of Weird. nowhere. They're little tiny child-sized footprints. So Alice comes home the day after Christmas, still feeling watched. So David followed him to Montana, and now he's following back home to New York. And he said he started using that app again from the December 12th update, and the pictures never showed anything out of the ordinary. But 
on the first he started to dream about him again and he said uh, he was hovering above his bed staring down at me Um, his mouth was moving faster than it should be I couldn't move I could only look up at him suddenly he plummeted downward and I felt this huge pressure crash into my chest I woke up gasping the wind completely knocked out of me I sat up looking around frantically heaving for air but there was nothing so then he woke up and looked at his camera roll he said when I caught my breath I retrieved my phone from the dresser and the photo roll showed nothing of note save for the last photo taken just a moment before, which looks like a child on top of him. So by the end of January, it was quite some time since we'd seen Alice's cats behaving oddly. The last update that centered around the bizarre pet behavior occurred on September 5th. The videos in which Maxwell batted at something invisible in the living room. On October 26th, he noted that the cat had stopped gathering at the door each night, but we hadn't heard much since. But then, the morning of January 28th, the video seen on this website will post to the Facebook so you can see all of these pictures and videos uh, appeared on Ellis's Twitter feed. So in it, Maxwell the cat, who seems to be the most sensitive to whatever is going on in his apartment, is sitting in front of the door meowing the same way he did back when the whole thing started. It's not totally clear where where in Ellis's apartment we are, but it's probably his living room and Maxwell is probably meowing at the front door. The cat does this for around 30 seconds, although towards the end of the video, he turns around and faces the camera while continuing to meow, and then the video abruptly ends. Maxwell's behavior wasn't the weirdest part about the video, though. The honor went to the angle from which it was shot. From the floor, with something large and undefinable in the foreground on the left-hand side. Also, there was no thread accompanying this in the video, making for another huge departure from Alice's usual format. So he usually, um, you know, has some kind of narrative that he puts with his videos and his pictures, and he just uploaded the video. Hmm. And then some people say that if you freeze the video on the last frame and enhance the contrast, David's face appears to be superimposed over the cat's. Don't like that. But that's open to interpretation. So all of his followers are just convinced that he's um, possessed. He, They are tweeting him, you know, does he even know that he tweeted this? Did he even tweet this? Adam, is this you or is it David? We need answers. Um, and then finally, several days later, all he tweets out is everything is fine. Hmm. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. <laughs> Then there were some tweets that, just a few short tweets that came after it that people said weren't punctuated or written the same way that Adam had, just further feeding into the idea that it's no longer Adam. However, people like to say that, you know, Adam is known to be an author, writer, and think that he was working on this project as a book deal, a movie deal, and just basically a big hoax. Or just to gain followers. Or all of the above. That's kind of where I'm at. Because he... Social media hoax. Yeah, because he ends it all saying, like, everything's fine, I'm working on other projects, stay tuned. And I'm just like, I don't know. It just all seems very convenient to me, so... I was with it at first, and then when he started showing pictures of David, I was like, eh. David looks like superimposed on yes onto the photos. It looks very much photoshopped and very convenient. Yeah. Yep. So cool. that is the. That's a good story. I've I mean, never me heard wrong. of Dear very David. long story of Dear David. <laughs> so <laughs> so sorry. It's okay. 
wait for this. Just um, don't blink because mine will be done. All, All right. right. Here I'm we right. go. Let's go. Round two. Round two. Here I go. I wrote Paranormal. This is that is... your story title? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a great story title. title. <laughs> Paranormal Lawrence, Kansas. Oh, I love Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> That's my home base. You lived there for I a minute. I lived there, yes. You know it. I lived there for... No, you lived there too? Yeah, I went there. I went to KU freshman year. You lived to... <gasps> in Lawrence, Santa? Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay, I hate myself for even saying that. <laughs> it's okay, we forgive you. Thank you. We've already forgotten about it. Okay, so then I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. Guess. Does anybody have any guesses? I don't. Boydson, you got any ideas? What part of Lawrence? No, no, I'm not going to give you that. Okay, well Just then guess. I'm not going to guess. I don't know. Ouch! Are you kidding me? That is the 100th time you banged your elbow. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> hey, Lindsay, there's uh, something by your elbow over there. Hey, this cup has not moved the entire time we've been recording, but I keep bumping it. Don't hit your elbow. Sorry. What's your story about? Okay, my story is about the Eldridge Hotel. <gasps> yes. Are you familiar? I'm not, so I'm excited. Oh, what? How are you not from... Okay, Okay, fine. I lived fine. there for a year, guys. That's it. Yeah, but still, it's yeah, in downtown. Uh, it's on Mass. How can you not know I mean, I know Aldridge? Mass, but... Everybody knows hotel. Mass. Okay, it's fine. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I fail. Okay, all right. So, here we go. There's a lot of history that goes into the Eldridge Hotel. Do you remember? No? No. All right, so, prior <laughs> to the Civil War, Lawrence, Kansas... Uh, was amidst the Missouri-Kansas border war, and this old hotel was burned down twice in the mid-1800s. That's kind of how I know it as. The original hotel, called the Free State Hotel, was built in 1855 by settlers in the New England Immigrant Aid Society. It was named the Free State Hotel to clear the intent of those early settlers, which was that Kansas should come into the Union as a free state. The Free State Hotel was intended as temporary quarters for those settlers waiting for their homes to be built. Hmm. And January 3rd, 1850, 1855, Colonel Shaler, Shaler, Shaler. all sounds great. S-H-A-L-O-R. How do you pronounce that? Shalor. Oh. <laughs> Not where I went at all <laughs> with that. <laughs> you were going to get there eventually. I believed in you. Shalor. Really? <laughs> Is no. it? I doubt it. I don't know. Shalor? No. We're going to say S. Eldridge arrived in Kansas City for New England where he purchased the American house, which General Pomeroy had bought from the Immigrant Aid Society. But just months later, on May 21st, 1856, the hotel was attacked and destroyed by Sheriff Samuel Jones and his posse. We don't hear that word very often. Not often enough. <laughs> His peeps. <laughs> His posse. What's up? Jones, leading a group of pro-slavery forces, aimed a cannon at the hotel and burned it to the ground. In 1857, Colonel Eldridge, along with his brothers Edson Thomas and James, re-erected the hotel at a cost of $80,000, vowing that it would be rebuilt again if it was destroyed. Perhaps his statement was a prediction as the hotel was again destroyed in 1863 when it was attacked by Quantrill and his raiders. So if you're from Lawrence, you always know about the Quantrill's raid. That was just like a staple. Everybody knew about Quantrill's raid. Just right off the campus, right? Uh, Downtown Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Early on the morning of August 21st, 1863, Quantrill, along with murderous force of about 400, descended on the still-sleeping town of Lawrence. Incensed by the Free State headquarters town, Quantrill set out on his revenge state against the Jayhawker community. That's what they were called. Jayhawkers. And that's why we're called the Jayhawks. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's my Held community. It. In this carefully orchestrated early morning raid, he and his band in four terrible hours, turned the town into a bloody and blazing inferno, unparalleled in its brutality. Quantrill and his bushwhacker mob of raiders began their reign of terror at 5 a.m. Jeez. Looting and burning as they went, bent on total destruction of the town, then less than 3,000 residents. By the time it was over, they had killed approximately 180 men and boys and left Lawrence nothing more than smoldering ruins. That makes me so sad. I know. That's sad. The proud city of Lawrence was determined to rebuild and quickly adopted the motto from ashes to immortality, using an original cornerstone from the burned hotel. Colonel Eldridge promptly rebuilt the hotel, which opened again in 1865 with a new name, the Eld. The Hotel Eldridge, which is pretty much what it's called now. For the next several decades, the Eldridge Hotel stood as one of the finest hotels west of the Mississippi River and continued to play an important role of early development of Lawrence in the state of Kansas. By 1925, the hotel had begun to deteriorate when a group of Lawrence business leaders decided that, due to the hotel's importance of the city, that it should be torn down and rebuilt to its former dignity and elegance. Hmm. The community stepped forth to ensure the success of the undertaking and the hotel again displayed its former splendor. So basically, they rebuilt it. For the third time? <laughs> it was re-erected. It was re-erected. Re the fifth floor is said to contain... So good. No? I, like, I like that version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fifth floor is said to contain a portal to the spirit world Ooh, especially no spirit world there are no negative energies i can't say no but mostly none oh okay. none in lawrence not in Few room in five or six it's all installed so okay especially room 506 it's all in columbia <laughs> in, <laughs> in this room witnesses have reported breath marks on recently cleaned what did I say? I you going to say breath marks. <laughs> I tried really hard to say breath. Breath marks. Are you concentrating on that word? <laughs> Get some breath marks. Does somebody put their ghost boobs on the mirror? <laughs> I mean, that would leave smudges, too. <laughs> they were like... <laughs> I like the shimmy. Thank you. They imprinted their ghost boobs onto the mirror. <laughs> Okay, that didn't happen. That's not actually what happened. Boobs and booze. Boobs and booze. <laughs> New name. We're going to remarket ourselves. No. Okay. Anyways, there were breath marks. <laughs> breath. Which is still creepy in like, its own right. Marks. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I clarified it. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, on recently cleaned mirrors, doors opening and shutting on their own, and lights turning on and off on themselves. Mm. That's what it says. Other reports say that cold spots throughout the old hotel are appearing. Some guests have even encountered apparitions on the fifth floor and an elevator ghost. That is to, seems Ooh. to be the most notorious there. An it elevator likes, ghost. Mm, yep. I think that's on my so, ghost bucket list. 
to meet an elevator ghost? Yes. If you've ever been to the Eldridge, uh, as far as I know, there's only one elevator. This hotel is older than shit. And uh, there's one there's one elevator that goes up and down to the fifth floor and down, uh, to the first floor. Doesn't go to the basement. Doesn't go to any other weird hotel. I don't know. Hmm. So, apparently, um, it likes to open and close the elevator doors on the fifth floor. Several photographers have noticed that there has been inexplicable technical difficulties with their cameras when they're near the elevators. Because that's a really good place for people to go to get their wedding photographs done before or after engagement photos. It's a really, hmm. it's a really beautiful hotel. Like popular place. Correct. Okay. That is correct. All right. And supposedly it goes up to the fifth floor on its own. I tried to kind of uh, give a few stories here. So people claim that the hotel's elevator is haunted. Photograph taken in the 1980s supposedly depicts the ghost in the building's elevator. And I do know that they have it framed when you go to check in to the hotel. They have it this photograph framed mm-hmm. at the check-in desk. Mm-hmm. And what it is, they used it for marketing initially. So there are people posed in some chairs and the elevators opened in the background and you can see what looks like a shadow figure standing in the elevator that they just happened to capture. Happened to? Happened to capture Hmm. in their photograph. Mm -hmm. And so now that is a big, that is a big photograph for them. So they Mm -hmm. have it like framed in the hotel. Yeah, when you go to check in. Wow. It's right there, right right in front of you. Cool. All right. The Eldridge Hotel and the supposed ghost of its namesake were the uh, partial subje- subject of the demon shadow. Apparently, it's a sh- movie. I don't know. I have never heard of the that. First <laughs> the first episode of the third season of um, My Ghost Story on biography channel yeah, i have heard of that show yes okay well, people there. come on there and tell you their ghost stories it's called my ghost story so that makes sense <laughs> it's absolutely I'm glad named. i can clarify <laughs> <laughs> people go on and they say this is my ghost story mm-hmm. yeah so and that that's happened. why they called it my ghost story <laughs> <laughs> um and this really clears it up because they said the supposed haunting has also been the subject of several book chapters and book sections Oh, did that clear things up? Do you think those are located in books? Several book chapters in book sections. Books are like the things you read, right? (laughs) (laughs) So if you're curious, look up up a book. Okay. Okay. All right. There there can't be that many books in the world. (laughs) (laughs) The entire hotel is supposed to be haunted, but there's some... Okay, this was... um, somebody's report they stayed there the entire hotel is supposed to be haunted but there's something eerily special about room 506 reportedly most of the paranormal activity happens on the fifth floor with 506 being a portal to the spirit world not hell okay (laughs) thank you for the clarification (laughs) guests have claimed to have seen breath marks on recently cleaned mirrors doors opening and shutting themselves and lights turning off and on it's all very creepy so that was their report uh one more person reports that they stayed in room 510 that i i kind of giggled at this one a little bit they couldn't sleep all night it was either too hot or too cold they claimed that there was a glow around their door the entire night and at one point they said that they were caressed by an unseen force that they had to slap away and say leave me alone um, so they actually, well, I found, I found this report on TripAdvisor. Wow. <laughs> because they rated it a one out of five due to their ghostly encounters. Listen. Come on. 
<laughs> I want to know what the caress was. <laughs> I'm like, were these some unwanted ghostly touches? Yes. Who touched you? Okay. Was it, was the breath caressed? I don't know. They didn't say, but. Ugh. Okay. Another thing that's said to be haunted is Colonel Eldridge's chair. I was learning about this. Something for me to sit in? Yes! She loves chairs! Oh my gosh. All right. It's supposedly kept in the basement, and apparently it never gets dusty. Okay. How about that? Because people are sitting in it. It's the cleanest chair in the land. (laughs) (laughs) One worker states that while he was going downstairs, he looked over and saw a figure actually sitting in the chair. Obviously that spooked him. Um, Another person that works there stated that um, the people who were cleaning the room couldn't get into the room because it was locked so he went up with his master key tried to unlock it but the room was actually dead bolted from the inside mm. um, and you actually have to you have to actually be inside of the room to, right to dead bolt this but nobody was inside the but room. nobody was inside of the room creepy all right and there have also been reports of poltergeist activity mostly involving slamming doors oh yes yeah I heard some weird stories about Colonel Eldridge, how he murdered his family in room 506, but that's never been backed up. Mostly, I think that most people think that it's um, haunted because it actually has the original cornerstone of the building that was burnt down two different times yeah. and rebuilt around the, this this stone. So, hmm. there you go. They actually do um, investigations. They do. Uh, so. Yeah. There we go. We're going to have to put this on our list. It's this has been recommended, obviously, for obvious reasons, because I'm from there. They, they have said multiple times that we should go there. Check it out. Do I'm you excited. know anybody that works at the Eldridge? Not anymore. I mean, maybe like when I was in high school or college, but not really anymore. Okay. But we'll book a room. I mean, I know. What's the room? 506. 506. 506. We're coming for ya. If you look it up, though, it's supposedly one of the most haunted hotels in America. Coming at you. I'm coming excited. at you. Very nice. Okay. Love it. I'm excited. Yeah, let's do it. So, I did not do a place. I did a person. What? Oh, do you remember when we were a talking? A haunted person. Do you remember when we were talking a few weeks ago and we talked about scary movies that have, like, impacted us, that stay with us? Of course I do, because okay. I spoke for a very long time about mine. So you mentioned two movies. Do you remember which two movies? The Exorcist was one of them. Uh-huh. What was the other one? Uh, the Shining was the other one. No. There was another one, The Exorcism of... Emily Rose? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Is it about Emily Rose? It, well, I mean, is it Emily Rose? <laughs> Emily Rose is not a real person, guys. You're right. But it's it was not. based off... A person in Germany. Annalise Michelle in Germany. So we're going to talk that. about her. I actually know this story, too. Yes, it is a... Sorry, my microphone's being weird. It's a crazy one. Mm-hmm. And I, like, loved researching it just because it's, like, a cross between, like, mental health and demonic activity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Those are your things. Those, those are, are my things. They those are my wheelhouses. And you kind of wonder what is what the whole and time. after researching it and, like, I've known about it, I've seen the movie and... Yeah. All this stuff, I still don't know. Oh, I know. It is very confusing. Like, you can go one way or the other. So we're going to talk about it. Okay, so she was born September 21st, 1952 in Bavaria, West Germany, to a Roman Catholic family. Um, She had three sisters, and then her parents, gosh, I'm going to butcher these names. Why do I choose international guys? Why don't you just say mom and dad? (laughs) Mom and dad. Mom and dad. (laughs) Um, So the whole family is very... Very religious. I feel you. I get you. Whoa, whoa, one. 
<laughs> Very religious. And they went to mass twice a week. Mom had an illegitimate daughter named Martha, who was four years older than Annalise. And she forced Annalise to atone for the sins of her having a child out of wedlock. Ah. Uh. Through devotion. So at a very young age, Annalise was learning how to atone for sins and learning how to suffer for the sins of others, as they called it. Okay. Um, so Martha ended up passing away at the age of eight. She had a surgery of some kind. It didn't go well, obviously. And then as a teenager, Annalise was sleeping on the stone floors to atone for the sins of drug addicts. So still, she had this, her whole life yeah. was spent very, very religious. Age 16, things started to go sideways. She suffered a severe convulsion, uh, seizure and was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy in 1969. So temporal lobe epilepsy causes seizures, obviously. Loss of memory and can cause you to experience some hallucinations. And it can also cause Geschwind syndrome. <laughs> Have you guys heard of this? Nailed it. <laughs> no. Geschwind? Geschwind. Um, yeah. Is it like a farting disease? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it is not. AKA farting disease. <laughs> It is not. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry for this. <laughs> so, Geschwin syndrome, it apparently can happen if you have temporal lobe epilepsy. So, the two can go hand in hand. Okay. Um, five primary changes. One to note is hyper religious. I can never say this. Hyper religiosity. So, being hyper religious. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, as well as circumstantial speech. So, that's speech that's non linear, doesn't make sense. They kind of go all over the place and never really reach their point. So keep those two in mind. And not all symptoms have to be present for a diagnosis. This sounds like a different type of medical uh, or uh, mental health mm -hmm. disorder. Mm -hmm. Okay, please go ahead. So that happened in 1969. June 1970, she ha is staying at a psychiatric hospital and she had a third seizure. They started giving her anti-seizure drugs. They weren't helping. She starts to see devil faces. So she's saying that she's seeing the devil's face on people. Like, as she's just walking around. They prescribed her Aolept, which is similar to our Thorazine, which is a really strong antipsychotic uh -huh. that they used way back in the days that we do not like to use anymore because it makes you kind of a, like a zombie, basically. Uh -huh. um, on the psych units, we used to call it the Thorazine Shuffle because they would mm. walk around like zombies because it just, it's, it drugs you out. So very strong antipsychotic they prescribed her. Wasn't helping. By 1973, now she's diagnosed with depression because, of course, she's got all of this going on. And she was still hallucinating. She complained about hearing voices telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell. She had been in a psychiatric hospital. It was not helping as well. None of the medications were helping. She became more depressed. So, um... Because the meds weren't helping, the hospital wasn't helping, they took her out of the hospital. She started becoming intolerant of Christian sacred places and objects such as the crucifix. Around this time, she's starting college as well. She was described as very withdrawn and very religious, which is just really sad to me. So a family friend decided to take her on a pilgrimage, which is kind of like just a trip to kind of give her some space some time and it's a religious trip as well. And this friend is the first one who told her, I think you might be possessed. You know, just FYI, in mm -hmm. case you were wondering. Side note. <laughs> That's a good friend right side, there. Side note, you're crazy. That's what he's saying. Also possessed. Right. Dear Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. Take me on a trip first, okay? Here we Tell are. Tell me in private. Strolling along the beaches of Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to tell you that you're possessed. And here's my ride. Gotta go. I, I imagine it went something like that. Yes. 
Um, so the friends said this after she saw Annalise unable to walk past a crucifix. She refused to drink the water of a Christian holy spring and also reported <laughs> that she smelled hellish- hellishly bad. I mean, oh, I, I get it. Showers. <laughs> <laughs> so again, bathing. This friend's like, you smell really bad. You're possessed. So you, you must be possessed. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, what's yeah. happening. I mean, I get it. So this is a little expert. I get excerpt. <laughs> Gosh, words. Excerpt um, from that friend saying, Annalise told me that she was unable to enter the shrine. Fuck, <laughs> <Dog> okay? <laughs> She's old. Oh, bless her heart. She's so laughing cute. at her. She's old and we've got hardwood floors. She has trouble walking on them. <laughs> she turned back like, are they laughing at me, Mom? She was so sweet. I'm not laughing at your dog. She's very sweet. Is Her she okay? Feet. I can hear Yeah, her she's walking. fine. She does okay. it all the time. All right, cool. All right. So she was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with the greatest hesitation, then said that the soil burned like fire, and she simply could not stand it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden, and it seemed to her that while praying, they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden, then she had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to avert her glance from the picture of Christ. She made it several times to the garden, but could not get past it. She also noted that she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. They sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it. So that is a quote from her friend. Um, the gnashing of the teeth gets me, because that's quoted a lot in the Bibles of like, I don't know why I just said Bibles, plural. Quoted a lot in the Bible of like demons of gnashing the their teeth, <laughs> right? That demonic uh, spirits would gnash single, <laughs> every single Bible. I have three over there, and each one has it all. Of I mean, Bibles. yes, I guess there are plural Bibles in the world. So she gets back home, and her family and her community, the church, um, they all start to become convinced that she is possessed. So they start asking for an exorcism priest declined and recommended continuing her medical treatment which at that point was not working so you know it's even more harder to get an exorcism now but back then it was really hard as well especially with all the stigma with mental health they thought it was her seizure disorder so they're kind of in this gridlock with the church where the church isn't granting them and the medicine isn't helping and she's just getting worse she starts becoming physically aggressive she starts injuring herself drinking her own urine eating insects um she would be heard growling she continued to say that she saw demons she started throwing things bit the head off of a dead bird hmm. okay she once crawled underneath a table and barked like a dog for two days straight oh hmm. so she's just not doing good at all her doctor started her on tegretol in november 1973 which can treat seizures and bipolar disorder as well the- um, generic name for that is carbamazepine. Yes, it is. Thank you. This she's... sounds way beyond. I know bipolar yes. disorder. Well, she's still taking it all these more strong like antipsychotics, which, like, you're taking Thorazine and it's not doing, and you're still doing that while taking Thorazine. It's so sad that nobody ever thought to think, oh, you know, maybe all these meds aren't working, and we should consider that. Right. Ugh. Right. Or that they're still thinking that this is just. A seizure disorder Mm -hmm. and not like schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I, this sounds exactly like schizophrenia. Yeah. To the max. Yeah. That's horrible. In hindsight, you know, this is 1973. This started in 1969. So this Mm. has been going on about four years. So exactly four years. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> good job. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Words are not my forte, but numbers are. Okay. The priest, his name is Ernst Alt. He observed her. Delete. And, yeah. Alt. A L T. That's really Ernst Alt Delete. Ernst Alt Delete. <laughs> Thank goodness he probably never had to hear that joke. <laughs> oh, it took me way too long to get it. Thank you for that. So he gotcha. observed her, um, started spending time with her, and he is the first priest or from the Catholic Church who said, no, I don't think this is epilepsy. Dang it. Epilepsy. Words. You got this, girl. Epilepsy. I am stumbling. It's Epilepsy. He said, this isn't the seizures. And he urged the local bishop to allow an exorcism. Annalise wrote to Alt in 1975, I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. Oh. So. She sent- has like a weird insight on mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Okay. Which is also weird to me. That yeah. she has, I mean, she has insight. She knows Schizophrenics she's sick. rarely have insight. They're, they're very rarely lucid enough, especially with her describing that her mental gone. state. That's yes. what I'm saying, yeah. That far gone to be lucid enough to know. Exactly. So they finally allowed the exorcism to begin in September 1975 with permission from the bishop, and he ordered total secrecy. Like, he did not want this getting out. He wanted this to be private. So they were ordered not to tell anybody. The first session was completed on September 24th, 1975. She began talking increasingly about dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the priest of the modern church and refused to eat okay her parents at this point stopped consulting other doctors um and relied only on the exorcism to treat her all medications and everything has stopped at this point Mm. she had this is what gets me 67 exorcism sessions oh my gosh one to two a week lasting up to four hours each over 10 months wow um so it started september 1975 um and she passed away july 1st 1976 so the autopsy really long yeah yeah 67 exorcism sessions the autopsy report says that the cause was malnutrition and dehydration yeah due to being in a semi-starvation state for almost a year um, Mm -hmm. while the exorcism was being performed she weighed 68 pounds Oh my gosh. At the time of her death. Yeah. And like, if you look at pictures of her, I mean, she looks like a skeleton. It's so sad. Like, her eyes are just like completely, like, all these bags under her eyes completely blacked out, and she's like skin and bones. But she was also refusing to eat, right? She was refusing to eat and drink. Wow. She weighed 68 pounds. Ligaments in both of her knees were ruptured due to, this is called, something I didn't know, genuflections, which is when you, it's like an act of reverence when you fall onto your knees to bow. And so they said she did that so many times. Approximately 600 times that she like destroyed her knees basically and at the end she was unable to move without assistance because of it but she was still like trying to bow no doctors were ever present in the exorcisms so this is why and the movie kind of focuses a lot on the prosecution and the trial so this is kind of why they were under trial because there was no doctor's presence she wasn't being observed by a doctor throughout all of this and really was she in the right state of mind to be refusing food and Right. Um, and so physicians were saying up until the week before her death, if you had given her some food or water, she would have lived. But they just let it go on too long. So the state got involved, charged her parents and the priest Ernst Alt and Arnold Renz, who was another priest who helped out with the exorcisms, um, charged all of them with negligent homicide, believing that her death could have been prevented. The church sponsored lawyers for her parents and the priests. So the state recommended that the priests pay a fine. And the parents should be exempt from punishment as they had suffered enough. So the state was not asking for any jail time, even though they were charging them with negligent homicide. They were just like, you've suffered enough. We just want the church to pay a fine about this. And you guys should know that 
you know, this could have been prevented. So the trial started March 30th, 1978. A lot of doctors were called in. Some testified that she was not possessed, but this was psychological, schizophrenia. They blamed it on her strict religious upbringing manifesting in the way that it did and her epilepsy as well and went back to the, what did I call it? Gentrification. Jeshwind. <laughs> Jeshwind syndrome. Farting syndrome. Remember when I said that it can be part yes. of the temporal lobe <laughs> epilepsy? That's it. Hyper being hyper religious and also having circumstantial speech, which means, you know, not making sense. So they cited that tapes of her exorcism were played in court. So they were keeping it a secret, but they had all these tapes of it, which you guys should Google. It's terrifying to listen to her voice in them. In the tapes, the demons identified themselves as Lucifer, Cain, Judas Iscariot, Belial, Legion, and Nero. Wow, all the hard hitters, huh? Yeah, pretty much everybody. That was the A-team. They also said that they were finally freed because of the exorcism just before her death. Uh, The two priests and her parents were found guilty of manslaughter, resulting from negligence, and were sentenced to six months in jail, even though the state didn't require jail time. Um, This was later suspended, so they didn't have to serve time in jail, and then three years of probation. And the case, to this day, has been called a misidentification of mental illness. So because of this case, sanctioned exorcisms from the church decreased. And in 1999, they made rules a lot more strict about what you need to have an exorcism. And for one thing, I've read a couple books about modern day exorcisms because this stuff just interests me. You have to have a doctor present. You have to have so many doctors sign off. You have to have a psychiatrist sign off, a psychologist. Like you have to have all these people sign off saying this is not due to a mental illness. This is not due to a medical condition. Then you have to have a doctor there as well to monitor this because all of this happened without doctors. There was also something called doctrinaire induction, which is suggested behavior from the priest that made her believe that she was possessed. So kind of like Mm -hmm. how therapists can be accused of leading you on and suggesting and, you know, that whole fallacy. Right. They're saying, you know, the priest made you believe you were possessed because they kept talking to you and telling you that you were possessed and your family was telling you you were possessed. So she started to believe she was and acted according to that. In 1984, German bishops and theologians petitioned Rome to change the exorcism right to prevent this because it's very suggestive saying you are possessed blah 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 Mm. versus you know that has all changed because of this case yeah that's pretty much the exorcism of Annalise Michelle wow that's nuts Mm -hmm. what is your take on it from a mental health perspective I know you touched on it, but I know. what do you think? I go back and forth. I think there was some suggestion here. I also think I've never heard of Geshwin syndrome. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting to me. I think a lot of it was her being brought up so religious and learning to atone for the sins of others. And even throughout, like to the end, she was saying that she was doing this to atone for the sins of others. And refusing to, to listen to any other. She became almost input. like a martyr. Yes. yes. Uh, made herself a martyr. So I think that, and like, kind of like what we talked about a few minutes ago, like she was lucid at times mm-hmm. and she showed insight and she knew. Yeah. I mean, she didn't think it was a mental illness, but she knew that she was sick and she knew that she needed fixing. And I think it was her religious upbringing that made her think this was the answer versus Mm -hmm. mental health treatment. And mental health treatment has come a long way since, you know, the 50s, 60s when this happened. I I think things would have been different if it was today's day and age. Wow, that's so sad. All of it. It is. I think her parents, you know, they kind of failed her here. And they knew the movie. The mom is still alive. I believe the father's deceased now. But the mother did not want the movie made at all. She was completely against it. And so 
I just think they thought it was an exorcism or they thought it was demonic possession. They went with that. And once they stopped all kinds of treatment, there's no going back. There's no going back. That's when she declined and got mm-hmm. worse so it's a very sad case it really is who's back to see you i know i say that hello, and then like hello i say that, that but then so like nice. you hear the i was nice i'll be nice to the cat dude just don't want it touching me he's gonna touch you. <laughs> i was gonna say he's gonna touch you but i say that and then like you listen to the audio clips of her in the middle of the exorcism and it's kind of gives you pause for cause oh my gosh it's scary stuff yeah like sounds, it is she sounds awful and demonic mm-hmm. and i've i mean i've heard several patients uh, during psychotic breaks and they'll say things that uh-huh. are creepy and give you pause for cause like you said i have never though heard people number one speak in different languages mm-hmm. like they say and number two i've not really heard them take on a whole different like right level of i don't know their voice completely changes right I've, I've not actually fully witnessed that that's what gets me i've heard them in a break start speaking gibberish but it's like not yeah. a language you right. know um, and I've heard them say, I am God, I'm the devil. Like, sure. they'll say this in, right. like, deep voices, but, like, I can tell it's still their voice. Yeah. I've heard, I yeah, know. I've heard their voice tone change, but not where you don't even know who the voice exactly. is coming right. out of their body. Oh, and her last words, um, reportedly, were, mother, I'm afraid. Oh, that's, that's so sad. Isn't that terrible? Um, and they buried her next to her illegitimate illegitimate sister martha which is normally reserved for illegitimate children and suicides oh so it's like she wasn't even worth it yeah it's really really sad oh no so let's do it with english translation just because i have no idea what is being said there nope because it's in german and i do not speak and say german speak and say deutsch speak in the german oh it's got subtitles on it so i'll have to read to you what it well says. did you expect them to oh, say it in german in english instead <laughs> this is an ad guys <laughs> so we ignore that. Let's get through the ad. oh my gosh it's another ad they hit me with a two for one ad mm. sorry click oh, through click dear. it won't there. let me skip you think i can read this again okay that was so what i know what she's saying there um and the voice you can barely hear is the priest asking for the name so she's saying it's powerful shut your mouth basically telling him to shut up she goes no i won't say anything because it's powerful and then she says why 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 so there's a lot of things she says it's oh, terrifying I don't to hear, like listen it. to it's that's creepy. So, I don't know. I'm I'm 50-50 on this case, honestly. Yeah. I think if it was today's day and age, I think I would be like, this is mental health because I feel like we could have treated it. Intervened and helped. Intervened and treated it. The only thing that has me not convinced it's not mental health is the voices. Right. I don't like those voices. Listening to them. Yeah. It's a sad case overall. Very much so. My lord. Cool. Well. that is my story. Yeah, we've had some really lighthearted stories. Of a man named Brady. You're welcome. (laughs) Way to round it out. (laughs) Good job. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) All right, so we will see you guys next week. Hang on, where can they find us? They can find us at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. 
the tipsy ghost on instagram and on facebook beautiful send us in some stories and yes, we'd love we'll to hear your stories maybe read them sometime mm-hmm. we, we definitely will that's what she's trying to say we'll definitely read some stories send them so send us some stories and we'll <laughs> definitely read them <laughs> Unless they're inappropriate, and then we okay, might Okay, all right, all right, you're right. You're uh, right, you're we'll right. still read them, even if they're inappropriate. We just might say, not we'll say right, them on here. filter stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll filter. Um, but yeah, simple. thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Yep, see you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Bye.